0: Welcome to part two of this week's podcast.
1: The next several verses are very short, um, but they talk about the different gifts. Some is given the faith to be healed, some is having the faith to heal, um, some is given the working of miracles, some is the gift of prophecy, some of discerning of spirits, is given the gifts to speak with tongues, some to interpret tongues. And then it says this in verse twenty six All these gifts come from God for the benefit of the children of God. I think it's important to recognize if you have one of those gifts, the faith to heal, the faith to be healed, working miracles, prophecy, spirits, etc I think it's important to realize that those gifts come from God for the benefit of the children of God. They come from God for the benefit of others, not for yourself. And uh, you can lose those gifts just as quickly as you can receive them by showing off or by somehow drawing attention to yourself instead of showing that the, the gift came from God for the benefit of the children of God. I have noticed as
2: a teacher myself, there's a big difference between the lessons when I think I'm going to show everybody how much I know versus how can I bless the lives of the people in this room right now. Big difference between those two lessons. I usually walk away if I'm trying to impress, deflated. If I'm trying to bless, I walk away excited, um, and uh, it's not about me, right? And that's those are that's the times that's where I go.
1: It has to not be about you. It has to be about the people that you're trying to bless. That's what it has to be about.
0: That's,
2: that's a good phrase, Hank, to impress or to bless. <laughs> Fall victim to these things. Um, uh, and we can just do a check. Just stop and go, wait, wait, wait. What, what, we, what, what is my goal here? What's my motive using this gift?
1: Your motive has to be to benefit the children of God. It has to be to bless the, God's children. That's, it has to be the, that has to be the motivation.
2: Do you think, Ron, when the Lord is listing here 19, 20, 21, 22, all these different gifts, I wonder if he's saying there's lots. Like, he's not going to give an exhaustive list. Uh, oh, where yeah. Where he's saying that's all.
1: Yeah. Are you familiar with the other with the other Ashton's talk about the gifts of the Spirit? Now, that was back in the 1900s, right? It was. <laughs> so, you'll have to remind some of our listeners. He, Marvin G. Ashton, who was a member of the Chrome of the Troll back then, gave a talk where he says, this is not all the gifts. He listed some 30 more gifts that, that are gifts that we can give other people. Wow. Again, we have to give other people the gifts. That they're not for ourselves, they're for others to bless and help them. And, and his point was this list is not comprehensive. It's just, it's just the the skeletal, the skeleton really. We can we can bless other people in many different ways if we'll just look for ways to bless them. And that's that's the whole point. The point is we have to look for ways to bless them, look for ways to be for the benefit of the children of God.
0: I, I see it three times. I see it in verse 12, that all may be profited thereby. I see it at the end of verse 16, that the Spirit may be given to every man to profit withal, And I see it in verse 26. All these gifts come for, from God for the benefit of the children of God. For the really of those, yeah. t- trying to emphasize that, there's, there's, these aren't for your own individual. No, grandizement. This is to bless everybody.
1: Just to bless. That's what they're for. Yeah, they're three different times.
0: I also see in verse 27 where bishops are are specifically blessed with the gift of discernment, and which is helpful. I mean, what's one of the titles of a bishop? <laughs> a judge Isn't in Israel. Judge of a judge, Israel. Yeah. yeah.
1: I also think it's important to point out in verse 29 that the the person the head of the church, the president of the church, has every gift. And uh, President Nelson definitely has displayed the many gifts he's received since he's become the president of the church. And I think that's a humbling thing for all of us to recognize and to receive and to realize that he has all those gifts.
2: Ooh, Ron, I'm glad you brought this up. Um, Well, I want to make two points. Ron, uh, let's go back to 27. Um, John, how do you, how would you describe the bishop having the gift of discernment yet bishops aren't perfect. They're going to make mistakes, right? We can't have the expectation that the bishop's going to know <laughs> everything that's happening, right? Uh, and he's going to call the right person to every calling and we can't have that expectation. So um, I think maybe he has the gift and it's up to each of us and it's up to the bishop too to, to do his best. Is that what I should, is that oh, the message I should get? It Well, I, uh, Ron can speak
0: to this too, but I just remember how incredibly uh, humbling and inadequate you felt when you had to make really big decisions about individuals, maybe in a membership council or something. And I remember one time uh, knowing a membership council was coming and spending all night <laughs> almost hearing the words of the song, who am I to judge another when I walk imperfectly? And uh, it's not any any uh, job anybody would want, really. But I also remember getting impressions that are are not what I would have thought, and i I have a testimony that I got help in in those t- times and discerned things I would not have discerned. i, I just I can say it for sure uh, i I'd love to hear what Ron has to say, also having had that calling.
1: um I remember two different times for some reason, these two experiences kind of mind of how it okay if I share them. The first one was I called the young lady to be the release president. And she cried and cried and cried. She cried so she allowed my office, the people out in the hall could hear. But she ended up being the best release president I'd ever called. I remember another was, woman that I called to be the release president. And she was planning to move her and her husband had bought a, you should see where they live. They live in a multi-million dollar house up on the uh, bench. And she did, she'd purchased this house. And I called her to be the release president I didn't know she president she was planning on moving and she, she accepted the call and was also one of the best ever. And so I think Heavenly Father knows who has those gifts. Even if the people don't know that they have them, Heavenly Father knows that they have them and He blessed them to rise up to the occasion and, and to the, to the office that they're called to. And, uh, those were two marvelous experiences for me.
2: That's, uh, that's beautiful um we've just got to watch where we place our line because sometimes we expect church leaders to have the gift of discernment to a point where they should also be able to pick all the numbers of the lottery they should never get sick right we're all of a sudden having expectations of them that l the, that the lord doesn't the lord never says they're going to know everything that they're going to make every decision correctly because sometimes you 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 call someone to a calling and then something happens and they, and and people will blame You know, they'll say, well, why didn't that stake president have enough discernment? Yeah, the first principle of the gospel is
0: not uh, the perfection of your bishop. It it goes right back to first principles. And and I love Elder Holland's statement, um, all the Lord has ever had to work with is imperfect people. It must be incredibly frustrating to him, but he deals with it. And then the best part, and so should we. Uh, and we can suit our mercies according to the conditions of others, you know, the way the Lord's being merciful to us. That's reciprocity right there. Yeah. I mean, I sure hope my ward was merciful to me. <laughs> uh. I hope
1: I don't sound wrong here. I agree with everything you said, but I also believe that in verse 27, I believe that the Lord does inspire the bishop to know who has what gifts and so yeah. that he can make the callings. And it's right. People have their agency. They may not. They may not choose to follow the Lord. But the Lord still gives the bishop the, the inspiration to as has the, the, the gift for the calling. And I think that we have to remember that as well. Yeah. Yeah, all I
0: right. remember telling my wife at, when I got released that any future bishop that I knew and decisions they make, I I would not dare to pretend to know all the things that he knew about situations and things they were dealing with. I just thought I'm never going to second guess that again because I was aware of, of things that were th- – happening and things that were confidential and uh feelings uh inspirations that I had that I, it, you can't possibly know all of the things that your current bishop might know and is dealing with and there's it helped there's
1: no way you can know
0: yeah it helped me to be a lot more hey you know I, with whatever the current bishop says i i'm going to i'm going to do what i signified i would do this this is not sustaining this is signifying that you will sustain and i'm, I'm going to sustain him
2: yeah, I feel I feel bad for oh, poor Edward Partridge blazing the <laughs> trail here, right? I mean, you get this section, and all of a sudden, here's another expectation for the bishop, and he's got to be okay, <laughs> right? Uh, it, it, dealing what, with a lot. No handbook, it, right?
0: Is it fair to say that it, the at first the bishop was more of a temporal affairs type of calling, like bishop storehouse and stuff like that?
1: Yes, when it was first the call was first given, it was. But it didn't take very long for the bishop to become like he is today. And we have the, we still have the presiding bishop who deals with a lot of temporal Temporal, temporal yeah. things, yeah.
2: Presiding bishop, uh, it, yeah, that's very much bishop temporal. Partridge
1: was, was def- very, very, very much the presiding bishop of the church. Yeah, not, that's what I not, thought. Not a, not a bishop of ward, yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I think this is a, a fantastic discussion. It says in verse 28, And it, sh- it shall come to pass that he that asketh in spirit shall receive in spirit. What do you think the Lord means by that?
1: Well, I think you have to ask as you're directed by the Spirit. I think you can ask against the Spirit or you can ask for the Spirit. I think mm, if you ask okay. following the Spirit, then you'll receive in the Spirit. That's what I think it means.
2: Yeah, so this idea of when I'm praying, I better, realize, I better pray for things that the Spirit's directing me to pray for, not necessarily, <laughs> you know, because I can yeah. pray for a Lamborghini every time yeah. I pray.
1: Look at verse 30. He that asketh in the Spirit, asketh according to the will of God, wherefore it is done even as he asketh. I think if he yes asketh in the Spirit, it is done according to the will of God, then that, that's how you know. Anything else in section 46 before we move on? I found this quote in the Millennial Star. It's George Buchanan. Most people don't even know who George Buchanan was. He was a member of the First Presidency. But he taught the following quote, If any of us are imperfect, it is our duty to pray for the gift that will make us perfect. No matter not to say, oh, I can't have this. It is my nature. He is not just fighting it. For the reason that God has promised to give strength to correct those things and give gifts that will eradicate them. I love that thought that we should pray for the gifts that will help us become more like Heavenly Father. And I think that's a good way to end this section.
2: Yeah, wow, that's that's special. It's a, a, Who was it, John, that said, you know, which is the most important commandment? It's the one you're struggling with. Harold uh, B. Lee. Right? Yeah, oh, yeah, Harold so, B. So, hey, let's... Let's pray for the gift that will help you overcome the things that are your weaknesses right now. And then, you know, President Hinckley said, work on the big things, and then, then start working on the little things as we yeah. go. Man, I love that.
0: I'm, I'm thinking of the phrase, and now I'm forgetting, is this a Book of Mormon verse, To seek ye earnestly, the best gifts? Because it's not just find out what they are, but you can seek them. Um. Yes, you should
2: seek them earnestly. yeah. yeah. Yeah, because this come this comes up in uh, is it First Corinthians as well,
1: yes, right? It does. Chapter
2: twelve, uh, another place where we can talk about the gifts of the Spirit. The Lord has put them all over the place. He wants us to to know these things. I wanted to, I want to add two things. One Do. is I wrote a I wrote a book on happiness a, a couple of years ago. It sold dozens of copies, mostly to my mom, but I learned something. <laughs> I learned something. Um, there's a man named Martin Seligman who is doing some incredible work in positive psychology, uh, it's a relatively new field. And um, he found, now I think you'll like this relating to what we just talked about. He, he said there are three types of human happiness. He says um, one is, uh, it gives you a little bit of happiness that fades quickly. The next one go, alas, is a more happiness and it doesn't fade as quick. And then the next one is, he said, is one that, Is sustaining right? This happiness is sustaining and it it lasts. You know, it's it's a higher form of happiness. So here is number one. He called it. He just calls it pleasure. Pleasure is a is a form of happiness, and it quickly fades like smoke. Right? He said two. uh, The next higher form of happiness is engagement. Now listen to what he said. Engagement is, uh, and you'll see that I think he's catching up here to section forty six. Engagement or flow, he says is when you use your specific unique gifts, he calls them, frequently, that you'll get to a point where you just, you feel engaged, right? That people will say, oh, time just flew by for me, right? It's when you're using your gifts, he called them gifts, um, daily. And then he said this, the highest level of human happiness is meaning, where not you're not only using your gifts every day and you're not only experiencing, you know, the, the small pleasures of life, but you're using your gifts to a cause that is bigger than yourself. Oh,
1: I love that.
2: And he is right in line here with what the Lord is is saying, right? Use your gifts, use it as regularly as you can, and use them to benefit something Other that is people. bigger than yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um I was I thought, uh, Dr. Seligman had stumbled across, uh, some beautiful, uh, ideas here that were in the doctor and covenants, uh, a couple, you know, 200 years ago, but still, uh, I, I love that. Uh, I love that he found
1: that truth. Thank you for um, sharing that. I think that's wonderful.
2: Yeah. And then I wanted to share one other thing and I wanted to see what you all thought about this. Um, this is a, a brand new book out by uh, my friend, Patrick Mason. It's called restoration. Um, And he he wrote something about spiritual gifts in here that I just wanted to share with you. I thought it was so profound. He said, What if we were to extend the principles outlined in section 46 to consider the ways in which God has graced not just individual women and men, but also whole cultures and communities with special gifts to be shared for the benefit of all? When we do this, we begin to see how God has endowed various groups right? All over the world, including other religions with particular gifts and callings that are designed to bless
1: the world. He goes wow. on to quote, yeah, I, I thought that was that.
2: just, I thought it was an excellent insight. That's a
1: great point.
2: He quotes the 1978 first presidency statement uh, that we've talked about here before, John, with, I think it was with J.B. uh that uh, the first presidency says in 1978, the great religious leaders of the world, such as Mohammed, Confucius, reformers, Socrates, Plato, received a portion of God's light. Truth was given to them by God to enlighten whole nations and bring a higher level of understanding to individuals. So I, I, I really thought, true. yeah, I really thought it was true. a beautiful idea. Yeah, a beautiful statement that
1: gifts other, are given to everybody.
2: And other religions, other yeah. cultures have gifts to offer us. I thought that was a beautiful, a beautiful thought.
1: And we can only uh, benefit from them if we recognize that they have them. And we're willing to receive them. Man.
2: Well, we talked to
0: with uh, we talked with uh, Brent Top about uh, holy envy and yeah. uh, that idea of looking at another faith and seeing, oh, I really like that, you know. <laughs> and yeah. I'd like to incorporate that more into me personally. But, oh, that's a... That's a mind-expanding thought.
2: Yeah, I I was impressed by that, and I was excited to share it with you. Ron, let's move on to section 47. It's a revelation to John Whitmer. Uh, We've talked about the Whitmer family before. I don't know if we've necessarily talked about John individually. He's being called here as a church historian. So what do we know about John Whitmer? What do we know about this calling?
1: Well, unfortunately, John left the church. John was one of a kind. He was asked to replace Oliver Cowder, who was who was a excellent church historian, while well, he was one. He had previously served as a scribe for Joseph the different various different settings. When he was called to be the, the church historian, he said, Quote, I would rather not do it, but observe that the will of the Lord be done, if he the Lord desires it, I desire that I would manifest it to the Joseph the Seer. So he won't he will not be the church historian unless he receives a revelation from God. Joseph therefore inquired of the Lord and on the same day as Section forty six received Section forty seven, they received the same day. Uh, in section 47, verse 4, it says, Inasmuch as much as he is faithful. In as much as he is faithful. That's the problem. He began his history the day after the day Oliver Kerry left off, June 12, 1831. He was later excommunicated for, for apostasy and refused to give his history to Joseph for Sydney. They asked him for it he wouldn't give it. Um, it eventually fell into the, fa- in the hands of the community of Christ Church. And then, of course, we ended up with it with, uh, in Joseph's papers, Histories, Volume 2. It has 19 chapters and is only 80, 83 page, pages long. Um, after he was excommunicated, he had three more chapters, 15 pages, exonerating himself and placing the blame for his excommunication on the saints. And he died outside the church. And so section 47 is really a sad section, no matter how you look at it, because the person was called, didn't do a good job. And he went, he, and what he did do, he kept to the, he gave to the RLS church and uh, died out of the faith. And so, it's just really a sad story there for, for John Whitmer, I, th- I think.
2: Yeah, me too. I You know, I have come to such a great love for some of these early saints who sacrificed so much. You know, I names like the Whitmers that we kind of a discount. Uh, and it's just, it, it's not necessarily we should be judging them. It's, that it's just a sad, it's a sad story because the Whitmers were such an important um, and crucial part in our beginnings Uh, And I I hate to see, you know, this falling out between the Whitmers and Joseph and then, you know, uh, not returning uh, like Martin Harris returned, like Oliver Cowdery returned. John Whitmer does not return.
1: He does not return. I I hate to
2: see that.
0: You know what, if I can kind of get a broad application from this, I just love that the Lord gave revelations to James Coville in 39, probably knowing what would happen. Uh, here, John Whitmer probably knowing what would happen, but gave them a glimpse of their possibilities and of their potential. And I think that's what patriarchal blessings are. The Lord doesn't just say, "Nah, you're not going to amount to much," but, <laughs> but, but He gives you this vision of your potential and possibility. And I'm thankful that that uh, He does that gives you gives you something to live up to, but tells you you can do this. This is your capacity. And I man, it's just a broader way of looking at the whole
1: thing. Maybe, yeah, the Whitmers were definitely a key part of the beginning of the church. And John Wimmer was a key part. He was Joseph's scribe. He was later the scribe for the whole church. So they, weren't, they, aren't, they aren't bad people per se. They just took wrong turns. And I think there's something we can learn from people that take wrong turns as well. No matter how good you get start off, if you take a wrong turn, you end up in the wrong place. And John Wimmer is an example of a person who took a wrong turn. He could have easily been one of the leaders of the church for the rest of his life, but he took a wrong turn and died in in Missouri and and uh, outside the church.
0: Um, are there any of the Whitmers that uh, remained faithful or, or came back?
1: How sad! No,
0: mm. not even Peter Senior.
1: No. Mm. Well, he he passed away, but uh, mm-hmm. the, the the ones who lived, none of them stayed faithful.
2: Yeah, I was going to say a couple of them pass away in Missouri without. B- before the family leaves. Yeah. Um, so they die you would say they died, you know, faithful in the church. Yeah. But yeah, I think Oliver is the only, and he's an in-law, is the only one who returns. Yeah, he comes at the, back. At
1: the end of his life. Yeah. yeah, at the end of his life. We can learn a lot from that, my friends. We can learn a lot from that. It's important to endure to the end, no matter what happens to you. At the risk of being personal, it's okay if it's okay if I'm personal for a second. Please, please. I had no idea this would happen to me. I had no idea that I would fall victim to Parkinson's disease and uh, and uh, etc. But I bear my witness to you that I will never fall away. The church is true. I'm not true. The church is true, and I'm staying with it to the end. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity I had to bring testimony today of that because. There are people who did not stick to the end, and and they've left the church, and 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 that's really a sad thing. But we can learn from their lessons. We can learn lessons from them.
2: Thank you, Ron. Ron, that was beautiful. Um, Ron, I know you're a lover of history. Uh, what would you say the importance of the records that we have? <laughs> because uh, just because uh, John Whitmer leaves doesn't mean the history stops. We keep a pretty good history. Um how important has that history been to us now almost two hundred years later?
1: Wow, that question is a long answer i'll try to answer it as quick as i can um one of the blessings that i've had as a member of the church i've had i've had a chance to uh review some of the volumes of the Joseph papers and one of the volumes that I had a chance to review for BYU studies and write a review for it was was the the volumes on the histories and uh We can learn as much about the histories from sin histories, the people that wrote them as we can from the histories themselves. Not all the histories are the same. Not all are complete. They all have problems. They all have John Curl, for example, wrote a history. He led the church. Joe wrote a history, he led the church. And so we can learn two things. We can learn from the histories themselves. We can also learn from the people who wrote the histories, what to do and what not to do. And Mm -hmm. I think that has been a blessing to me. Just to be a short answer for now um, of the history of the church,
2: and can I just ask you a personal question? Why do you love sure. history so much? Because I've I've heard you I've heard you um, present on you know um, I think it was uh, uh, some polygamous families that you presented on one, at one time. I've heard you present on you know the revelations. I've heard you present on, and I know you're a lover of history. Why do you Why do you love it so much?
1: Because there's so much we can learn from it. Those people all passed away. We can learn from their mistakes. We can learn from the, the good things they did. We can learn from the bad things that they did without having to do it ourselves. And so I feel like I'm a better person because of the histories that I've read and studied.
0: I like the Book of Mormon phrase that uh, the plates would enlarge the memory of the people. And I think history has a way of enlarging our memory. We can learn the lessons without going through the hard part if if we really try. and <laughs> It can en- enlarge our, our memory and give us, uh, make us, help us be
2: wise instead of just yeah. knowledgeable. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% with you, John. The history is so important. And I've heard it said before, if you, uh, you want to be remembered, keep a journal. <laughs> if you want to be remembered by anyone after you're gone, keep a journal. Um, That's a
1: good point. Yeah. Keep That's a record. Point. Keep a history. Yeah.
2: And we still have this uh, church historian role, right, Ron?
1: We do. The church historian now is always a general authority for good reason because it's a, such a critical part of the gospel for the reason you just said, and so uh, the general the general authority who's called to be the church historian is always very solid and and very uh, educated and very very uh, able to do all the work, but he's also a general authority, and I think it's important. So
2: the the church historian uh, today is Elder LeGrand Curtis Jr. I love that this calling given in 1831 is still with us today. I just, I love that. Um, I just think there's something beautiful there. What I used to think as a kid
0: about, because President Kimball, my the president of the church, as, as I was a teenager, emphasized keeping a journal a lot. And I always figured that, if our whole lives are going to be recorded in heaven and the angels above us are silent notes taking, well, somebody's writing it down. Why do I have to write it down? Uh, (laughs) And I can see now that it, that putting it down yourself can bless you as, as you think about it and you learn the lessons from it. And maybe you do this too, Hank, but I I make my students keep a, a reading journal during our class because it goes into a different place in your short-term and long-term memory if you actually write down what you were learning, and you'll retain it for longer. And I was just going to mention Wilfred Woodruff and how important he was as a a history keeper that I guess he heard Joseph Smith say once, um, I remember in the movie Mountain of the Lord, he says, well, since I heard Joseph Smith say, you know, We should be a record-keeping people. I haven't been able to go to bed before I wrote down the events of the day. Does that sound familiar, Ron?
1: Yes. And Wilford wrote many, many, multiple volumes of journals. Yeah. And we can learn a lot about the early history of the church from his journals. So,
0: when when I went to get uh, my marriage recommend, I went to see my wife's stake president, and his name is Wilford Bruce Woodruff. Oh wow. And uh, that was pretty fun because we yeah. got talking about Wilford and he has, as a direct descendant, access to all of those those journals. I think the church keeps them, but he has access to
1: them. Yeah, that's wow. awesome.
0: And I was also going to mention my beloved stake president who set me apart to go on a mission was George I. Cannon. Wow, who who served in the seventy? After that, but he set me apart for my mission. So my that, goodness, that was pretty yeah, cool John. to say, yeah. <laughs> George George I Cannon set me apart. That was fun. Do they just wow. go through the alphabet with that? Do they just nail the? <laughs> <sell them> <laughs> well, they get they got to Q, then and started over. Yeah, yeah I, I don't they know. know. They go
2: around to the horn.
0: A, a tall, wonderful man, my state president. Wow,
2: that's awesome. And there's different ways to keep a record, right? Some of us maybe are overwhelmed at the idea of opening up and writing down. Well, a lot of people type their journal now, uh, and you can even record yeah. audio. You can just Video, record audio. Audio. Yeah, you Video. You yeah. can record. Um, I do this a lot with my kids where I'll say, oh, this is a journal moment, and I'll get my phone out, and I'll yeah. I'll record it. Okay, what's the date today? Okay, what are we doing You know, and I think we're going to, we're keeping a record. And
0: and you know, those things, I have a a niece who's uploading tons of stuff of my mom and dad to the family history websites and and let let them house it, you know, (laughs) let them store it. But now all these photos are up there and, and, uh, and a lot of, like, like they say, a picture tells a thousand words. So history and in photos is, is up there, which is kind of a
2: nice thing. What is the name of that, um, it's the app is called Family Tree, and you're exactly right. You can upload yeah. pictures, audio files uh, to to um, anybody's record here, and I've I've uploaded a lot to mine, and I I just I trust that those servers are double yeah. and triple, <laughs> yeah, they're
0: triple they're backed
2: a, up. They're in a granite vault at Little Cottonwood Canyon, right? So- I, I I love the little point on this on my family tree where I can go to my children and it says add, add spouse. I'm like, "Oh, good. I can do this." For my daughter, I'll choose John by the way, son. Right? Uh, <laughs> it'll be it'll
1: be oh, uh, perfect. Oh, brother.
2: <laughs> Ron
0: in section 48, the Lord is actually talking about buying land, I think for anticipating other members that are coming. Could you yes. tell us some things about
1: section 48? I'd love to. Thank you so much. And on March 9th, 1831, some members of the Coesville Venture were able to sell their acreage so they could relocate to Ohio, which was a happy thing for everybody. They are from Colesville, New York. On March 10th, 1831, as the time drew near for the brethren of, from the state of New York to arrive in Ohio, there was no preparation made for the reception of the saints from the east. They didn't know where to put them. Bishop Edward Partridge, being anxious to know something concerning the matter, he asked Joseph to receive a revelation Joseph Joseph Received, Section 48. In verses one to three, the Lord uses the phrase present time three times, implying that Ohio would only be a temporary church center, which of course we know mm. for a fact that it was. In verse four, he says, the city, New Jerusalem, which is to be built with the sacrifice of the, of the saints is not in Ohio, it's somewhere else. The church first heard about the city from the Book of Ether in the Book of Mormon, and two previous phrases, of Revelation Joseph, is received, section 28 and 42, but they're really excited to move there. and. uh the exact location of the city had not been revealed yet, um, in verse five. But, uh, three months later, it, the Lord did tell it when the, it was a Missouri. That was a place for their gathering. And, uh, He didn't know, reveal the specific location as being in Justice County until they got there in June of 1831. So, so imagine you're a member of the church. You've just moved to, from New York to Ohio only to find out that Ohio is a temporary place <laughs> and you're really moving somewhere else a thousand miles away in Missouri, which you won't find out until July. So so they move in May, they don't find out until July that they're gonna be moving to to Missouri. But it's a it's a tough, tough time for the members of the church because they're gonna make Section 48 a, a, quote, a hallowed place, a special place, but it's a temporary place. And that's the best of uh. Section for 48.
2: Yeah, and Ohio does become a temporary place for them. I wonder if the Lord says in verse five, the place is not yet to be revealed. And a side note, you probably would be upset with me. (laughs) So we'll, yeah, we'll let this, um, we'll let this uh, just, because there's, oh they're they're saying, oh, I hope it's not as far away as New York to Ohio. And the Lord's going.
1: three times as far.
2: (laughs) It's a lot further. And when you come into the valley, you're going to go,
0: this is the place? (laughs) Oh, you're talking about Salt Lake. Lake, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm talking about another one, one <laughs> and that's that's kind of a, a a sad look at what they had to go through when um, building homes and farms that other people would occupy at that's some true. point, uh, and sometimes having to sell them for pennies on the dollar. Uh, who was it? So uh, who was it in Nauvoo that swept the room and then left the broom by the door? Yeah, that's Wilford Woodruff. Yeah, yeah, knowing that. Okay, bye. Just built this beautiful place, and now. Got to go.
1: The States did a lot of moving those first years. They did a lot of moving. That's rough. And uh, Missouri is a pretty good place. So is Nauvoo, but Salt Lake was terrible as far when they first got here. It was awful. Yeah, especially for people who'd lived in the East. Yeah. And yeah.
2: Right. going, this is desolate. Um, I remember growing up in Utah, thinking it's not a desert. Look, we've got all these trees. And then I went east. I went, oh, <laughs> that's what that's I know. They... I felt the same way. You,
0: you look down in a plane, and it's like you have to clear the land of trees to yep. do anything. And here you gotta plant trees, which <laughs> which die if you don't water
1: <laughs> them. <laughs> yeah, Hank, it's different. John, can I make a couple of points here, please? Absolutely. Please okay. Um. First point is, it's amazing how much the saints do in Kirtland, and current religion, they're only gonna be, gonna be there for five years. They build a grist mill, yeah. they, they build um, homes, they build a temple. They really work hard the five years they're there and they really make a difference. Um, I think that we often to forget that as a pun piece for them moving to Nauvoo and then to Salt Lake. So they had a lot of practice building and leaving, building and leaving, building and leaving, and that's something yeah. that they had to have a lot of practice doing. The second point I'd like <laughs> to make, which is even more important, is um, if you go to Kirtland today, it's just beautiful. It's spectacular, and it was beautiful for them too. And so think how difficult it would be to leave these beautiful places, one after another: New York, Ohio, uh, Missouri, Missouri, New York, New York, uh, uh, Nauvoo, Nauvoo, then Nauvoo, and, yeah. and then and then to go to Salt Lake. These people really sacrificed a lot, and uh, I think. That unless you've been there, you can't appreciate how much they really had to sacrifice. So I just want to bear my testimony that I believe these saints were really called of God. They they knew how to move, they knew how to build, and that did them well when they came to Salt Lake. And I I bear my testimony that's true, and I say it in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.
2: Amen. Amen. I love that, Ron. That is, that is beautiful. Um I love this. I I I I as we're going through the doctrine and covenants this year and I've taught the doctrine and covenants before. So, um uh, I have I'm just coming to a new uh understanding of of how much these men and women, these families were called to do. Uh and it gives me it gives me strength and it offer it also gives me responsibility, I feel like to to carry on the work they started i'm not going to be the one who uh, i i don't want to be the one who falls off and doesn't build on you know this Mm. this glorious chain they began i feel a responsibility uh to my to my pioneer ancestors not even just the ones i'm related to but these these early early ones of these early sections
1: that's awesome hank because i feel like there's many members of the church today that don't they don't feel that way they they don't understand the doctrine of what's that you know kind of a thing and uh i think it's critical that we teach the people what happened so that they can appreciate the sacrifice that went before them so they can know what who they're following whose footsteps they're following and so they can become more like those people that that they uh That they don't really know a lot about. And so when I teach these sections, when I teach 47, 48, particularly, I make sure that people know that these people gave up a lot, especially in verse 46, 48. They gave a lot for me to have what I have today. And I need to build on that. And then instead, just, I need to appreciate it and be thankful for it instead of just, you know, receive it.
2: Yeah. Oh, Ron. That is that is so good because uh, I, it reminds me of First Nephi chapter one verse one. I Nephi. He could say King of Kings. He could say Builder of Boats, Crosser of Oceans. Right. He says I Nephi, having built upon a you know goodly parents. I I have good parents, and we could also say you know I Hank, I Ron, I John, having been come from awesome pioneers. Right. From awesome. Awesome pioneers. ancestors. Yeah. Um, and that awesome. kind of
1: placing, are, are, I have a responsibility uh, to these people. I was talking to the president of the Wyoming Stake that did so much of the temple work for these people, realizing that most of them, they, they they moved from New York to Missouri to Nauvoo to Ohio to Salt Lake without receiving their temple ordinances. And uh, that even gives me a greater feeling for them oh. as I realize, wow. Yeah. They did with that without receiving their temple ordinances. and. and uh, wow, we've we've been without the temple for a year now because it's been closed. And I just am aching to go back. But those people, they never even saw a temple in their lifetime because the temple in Salt Lake wasn't wow. built until St. George Temple was born in 1877. So I don't know. It's just to me, well, they're awesome.
2: I loved just Ron earlier when you said, I'm going to, I will be in this faith. Uh, and I feel that strength from them too. Uh, I, you know, as they continue forward, I continue forward and I pass it on to the next generation.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I was just going to say the more we've studied this together, Hank, and it's been such a a privilege and to be with, with you and these amazing guests that we have, the more my own problems and concerns have kind of diminished. And, and I just think, look what they did, look what they're going through. And, uh, I I love things like that, that help me reduce a lot of my problems to kind of first world problems, you know? Yeah, give you your perspective. And, yeah, and another thing I wanted to add is that I watched, I think I have watched the, um, I think it was the Sunday morning session, the I'm a Child of God, the very international session of General Conference. I think I've watched the I am a Child of God thing about 10 times, watching these saints from all over the world singing in their own language and... Seeing them as pioneers that uh, have maybe, if not literal descendants of these pioneers, but what they're doing and what they're sacrificing has just been, I watched it over and over. I <laughs> just think, man, I love these people. Never met them, but I'd love to. And to say yeah. that I bet they're making sacrifices too to, to come into a relatively new faith for them in a country where it's not well established. I just felt a lot of love for them. Mm.
2: That's beautiful, John. I felt the exact same way. I I'll, Right when they started, I thought, oh, oh wow. man. Yeah. <laughs> Grab the Kleenex. I'm not going to make
0: yeah. it. Uh, yeah.
1: B- beautiful. Just beautiful. These people were so poor, yet the Lord says three times in this section. In verse 3, he says, buy for the present time. And then verse 4, save all the money that you can. In verse 6, purchase the lands. These people were asked to sacrifice in a way that they... I don't think they could appreciate because the, we can appreciate because we we have so many things around us, so much stuff. And yet they were asked to save, 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 bye, bye, bye. And uh I just can't imagine how much they had to sacrifice. I just wanted to bear my testimony that as well. I said in the name of Jesus yeah. Christ, That is
2: that is beautiful. In my book that I quoted earlier of uh of my friend Patrick Mason, he says, um, despite the Lord's consistent and stern warnings. We today have largely been seduced by the gods of affluence and ease, uh, and um, I, wow, these these early people they have not they were not seduced by the gods of influence or of affluence or ease. So, Ron, I have a, a last question for you. Please, um, you're a gospel scholar. Uh, you've been studying and teaching these things for uh, I want to say. How many years now? 36 right. years. You've been studying and teaching these things for over 35 years, full time. This has been your job full time. You know as much as there is to know about Joseph Smith and these early saints, both their highs and their lows. Um you you certainly know as much as any critic of 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 the early saints of uh, Joseph Smith would know. Yet here you are, faithful. Uh so I would love to hear just My friend Ron's personal thoughts on Joseph Smith, the restoration, and um, what this has done for you personally.
1: Wow. Thank you so much for asking. I grew up without a testimony of Joseph Smith. I just couldn't wrap my mind around him. I even got hard to teach seminary without having a testimony of Joseph Smith. So it made (laughs) me study harder and harder and harder. And I read and read and read and read books and books and books and books. Well I finally by the time I finally got my testimony, Joseph I remember where I was standing when the spirit hit me, he was a prophet of God. And since then I've studied more, of course, and I just want to bear my testimony. I know for myself, beyond a shadow of a doubt, Joe Smith was a prophet of God. He was the Lord's prophet. He was an imperfect man, but I don't want I don't focus on that. I focus on the great things he did in thirty-eight years of his life. He was amazing. Joe Smith had a, a way of tuning into the Spirit that uh, no one that I'm aware of has had yet. He was just able to to tune into the Spirit of the Lord and to know what to do and to know the right thing to do all the time. And he learned from his lessons, he learned, he, if he made a mistake, he learned from the lesson, he never did it again. Yeah. So I just wanna bear my testimony that Joseph Smith was a prophet of God. As far as the church goes, I know there's a lot of other churches in the world today, and our church isn't very big compared to most of them. But I know for myself, Beyond a shadow of a doubt, this church is the church of God. This is the way the Lord wants us to live. I bring to say in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
2: Amen. Ron, thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for um, giving us, uh, imparting unto uh, John and I and our listeners um, of your uh, incredible knowledge and experience. Can I say one
1: more thing, Hank? Please, please. I just, read a, I just read a book that had 18 chapters in it, each one by a different person critiquing Joe Smith. And every single person had this or that to say about Joe Smith. And my question to them is this my question that they, they don't answer themselves is this What would Joe Smith say about the, the chapters that they wrote about him? What would he say about the critiques they made of him? It's really easy to critique someone who's passed away and they're in the grave, they can't talk yeah. back. Mm-hmm. But if Joseph was here, what would he say? I wanna bear my testimony that I know he's a prophet of God. I don't care what anybody writes, I don't care what he says. He's a prophet of God, and everything that people write and say fits into that if they are telling the truth. And there's so much out there that's anti-negative right now that's so bad. Um, after General Conference, my daughter and I went online and saw the different comments we made about General Conference, I just couldn't believe there wasn't one positive remark about General Conference. But there is for me. I know for myself, Russell M. Nelson is a prophet of God. I know for myself that the people that sustain him are chosen by the Lord. I know for myself that the church is true, and I say it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Ron, thank you, thank
2: you, thank you. Um, oh, goodness, uh, I if I, I wish I could tell my my twenty something old self when I first met you hold on to this guy he uh he is something else john we have another episode of follow him in the books uh i think i learned some things today that i uh, honestly are going to impact me yeah for the rest of my life
0: it uh every every time we get together it's a new appreciation um another layer of testimony and uh in this case uh a renewed friendship haven't seen ron for a long time so so totally good to see you john really so great to be with you we love you yeah I we love do both of you
2: we do so we much. are we are a team we want to thank dr ron bartholomew for coming today we want to thank all of you for listening we're so very grateful for your support we want to thank our producers steve and shannon Swanson, our production crew david perry lisa spice jamie nielsen kyle nelson will Stoughton, and andrew morton We hope that you will join us on our next episode of Follow Him.